And we're rolling. What's up, buddy? <laughs> so, so uh, someone was asking me what the name of our podcast was. I got that question this week. <laughs> and I said, I ain't got a clue. <laughs> I don't have a Scooby. <laughs> oh, that's right. A Scooby-Doo clue. Scooby-Doo clue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so I didn't know what to tell him. I just said, I don't know, Mike, would I go in Brooker podcast? Yeah, something like that, mate. I don't know. We could even just wait and see. And I don't know, mate. I've got no idea. Yeah. I don't have a clue. Yeah, we, we, we have no intro music. We have nothing. It's just... No. Nah. And you don't know. Maybe no one even wants to listen to it. You know what I mean? Could be. It could be. I doubt it, but it could be. <laughs> I reckon there's going to be the odd one. One of my, so the guy that come to visit you uh, a couple months ago, I think Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, you know, I saw him recently and we, uh, he was saying to me, oh, I'm excited to hear this podcast with you and Mike and that, you two just bullshitting along. And then I thought, actually, a good word might just be bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I don't even know what direction it's going to go in, whether this is going to be whether we only talk about fitness, which that's clearly not going to be the case. Um, you know, it's, I don't know, because you're, you're doing the psychology. So let's, let's explain who we are first. Um, my name is Mike Wadango, and I am a personal trainer that trains professional athletes, uh, youth athletes, older athletes, and even older adults. I own my own gym. It's called Freak Strength. And I've been doing this since I was like 21 years old. I'm 34 right now as of today, which is April 12th in 2020. So uh, that's, and, and, oh, oh yeah. So you've been in school, right? The yeah. last year. So you've been reinvesting into yourself. Yeah. And, a, bit and of a, a different type of study than anybody that knows you, right? From the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of into training on, the whole perspective from not just the, the, the weightlifting side, the speed side, the movement preparation side, but also body work. Um, and I'm in acupuncture school right now. I'm working towards getting my doctorate in acupuncture. So I will be a real doctor of fake medicine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of where it's going right now. And we're in the middle of the uh, coronavirus epidemic. So all my classes have been online. Yeah. And it's amazing how well that works. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely opening up the possibilities of other things. I mean, say like, for example, the, the, the adult class that you have going that's quite popular in your gym. That, could yeah. be, that must be going pretty good online. Yeah. We, we haven't, with, with the adults, we haven't lost a single a single member i don't believe uh everyone and and people are love doing it online I, even even after all this is done we're probably going to keep some aspect of the adult classes online just because it's so so easy for them they they really enjoy it yeah and it's amazing how you can take a profession that's quite hard to scale like training and coaching and then online i mean it's amazing i heard of a of a group class this week that had 500 people on it which probably isn't that much compared to some other ones that are going but i mean you think about you start charging a fiver for a session, but you've got a thousand or a few thousand people on, yeah. a, on a call and it requires nothing else from you. you if you're going to do it anyway, it's pretty amazing. 
what technology is opening up for, for trainers and yeah. PTs and all this type of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I mean, what, what for, for typical personal training stuff, it's, it's not, it's not bad. You know, you could do, you could do one-on-one stuff. Um, if, if for the general population, it's, it's not a bad idea, but for the athletes, I have a group that I train online right now and it's, it's good. You know, it's better than what they're going to do on their own. But, uh, one of the, one of the benefits of training with me is that I can do on the spot problem solving when, Hey, I'm injured or something doesn't feel right. And we could do some plan B right away. And, you know, we could, we could figure out some stretches. We could do some, some different movements and stuff and, and try to figure out what's going on. And when you're online in a group, it's just not feasible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at really what we do, which is more sort of custom solutions to specific problems with people and the population is, you know, majority of the time professional athletes, that's not suited that well to this. I mean, I've got, uh, couple teams that I do group work with and that works pretty good especially like the younger guys you don't need to have much rest period right you don't need really water breaks you've got an hour and you can just filter through but it's very hard to to make the good corrections and especially when you start going up the ladder and then you've got you know a professional athlete that certainly shouldn't be getting ever injured with what you're doing ever mm-hmm. you know then it you know it doesn't change it that much anyway but that's the interesting part of this of this field of work right it's it's very multifaceted and it doesn't follow the, the trends of, of, of the sort of typical training or PT or gym coach uh, field. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, why, a lot why of people think, a lot of people think that, you know, oh, I want to work with pro athletes, but they don't realize <laughs> that it actually it's not all what you think it is at the beginning, especially. And I mean, even as with years in, it, it doesn't really get that much easier. And if anything is more difficult and, that you start realizing how flawed it is from every single angle. <clears throat> so go, go into who you are, what you do. Sure. So I'm Alex Brooker. I'm also a trainer, PT, hard to quite hard to qualify what it, what it really is sort of a, an advisor, I guess, to different pro athletes, amateur athletes. I've got some sort of general population people too. That's getting, a little bit less now um, just because I'm trying to sort of specialize more into performance psychology, which I'm doing my doctorate in. Um, I've just basically got back to Swiss in the last year and settled down here, but more in the countryside. Um, I've been doing this since, well, when I was still at university playing rugby. So what, 17, 18, I think, no, 18, I had my first, little business and that was when I also come out and visited you you and uh, Joe Joe DeFranco and what that that was for a for a seminar I think right or one of the coaching when when was that was that 2011 yeah it must have been 2011 and then I managed to be cheeky because I had one goal which was (laughs) get an internship no matter what what way I had to do it and you know you were kind enough to say yeah yeah just come out and i think you didn't think i was coming i was i'm not sure actually i never even asked you did you ever think i was going to come back yeah oh, yeah we were we were i wouldn't have given you the shit to read if i didn't think you were coming in yeah fair enough fair enough and then um yeah and then since then i just didn't tell defranco <laughs> 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 i remember when you first got there he was like who's this i was like ah it's our intern he goes oh 
All right. Cause you were our first ever intern. Like sure, we, yeah. and I mean, we never really had any official interns prior to you. It yeah, was not, not official, people just, yeah. people just stopping by. You were the first one ever. Sure. Yeah. That was a good summer. huh? Crazy, crazy to think about. Yeah. That was the, that was the old days. Now it feels like almost well, 10 years ago, nearly. Oh, crazy. I, yeah? Time flies. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so you're, you're getting more involved into the psychological aspect of things. I'm getting more involved in, I don't even know, maybe, maybe the bodywork aspect of things, but they still, they still are two very important parts that kind of blend together. And, uh, we've been, we've been friends now for almost 10 years. And actually the the least amount that I've ever talked to you was when, so, so Brooker happens to be the, the most interesting man in the world. Um, so he came over, he came over when he was, Oh, it was. It, so, so that's, that's why we got to do the podcast together because I'm, I'm playing Jane and you're, and you're the most interesting guy in the world. Completely, and I, and completely we, not true. <laughs> completely not and, true. And we look it exactly only worked alike. Good. It only worked good when we were using it as pickup lines. <laughs> I was over and saying with you, now we don't need to be using this no more. <laughs> um, so he came over. I, I, you were 21 when you came over, weren't you? No, I don't think so, mate. No. Uh, actually, yeah. How so old are you when now? When I come over for the summer, I'm 29. I just turned 29. Oh, geez, so you might have might have only been no when you did your internship that was in what 2012 no i, I must have been 21 mate yeah because we were we drinking was, we were going out yeah 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 but yeah. we were also drinking with pat and he was like 16 <laughs> yeah <laughs> and looked older than all of us the sasquatch <laughs> and he was huge back then too pat 240 big yeah big 240 hairy. Hairy <laughs> <man>. <laughs> yeah so, so you were with me when you were 21. I yep. met you when you were 19 or 20. Then you came back the next year, interned with yep. us. And then from there, from there, did I get you a job with, in, in Switzerland with Arno? No. What, what no, was the timeline for that? When did, no, that, so, when did that transpire? So basically what happened was after that summer with you, I had another year to finish my bachelor's at Loughborough. Um, and that was like my final year of really playing rugby. And then I tore my hamstring. That's, that's I right. Tore my you, hamstring you snowboarded. No, no, you no, tore no, your no, hamstring, no. you slipped on grass. Yeah. That was grass as soon as I got back. That's yeah, as soon right. as I got back, I tore my hamstring like that's a couple of days right. after. And then I re-tore it again a couple months after early in the the season uh, that's right i remember you doing we had a great summer no issues then you did yeah. your speed work when you went back and you yeah. you went on wet grass you slipped on wet grass and tore your hamstring shit yeah. i remember that yep yeah. and then i went snowboarding and tomahawked down because i had no idea what i was doing and tore my calf and my hamstring and then that was it rugby was done and then i was lucky to i had like a, an important part of the team because I was sort of one of the older guys there and I was already doing all of the, the strength and conditioning and coaching work uh, for them. And that was also the time when it was the, the, the students rugby league world cup. And long story short, I'd then started also doing like the conditioning work and also massage too, because I'd done a massage um, school. I think when I was 18, 19, I'd done that before I'd been with you. 
Um, and then I, after that, I was looking for a job. So I did the, the World Cup. That was after I'd finished um, university. And then I was going to start my master's in Australia. And my plan was always from when I was young to move to Oz to do a master's out there and just live out in Australia. That was all I really wanted to do. Um, and then I was looking for something for six months. I didn't have any money or no job prospects. Definitely not back home in, uh, in Essex. And then um, we'd met Arno when you come over, you with James uh, Smith, when you did the, uh, um, the seminar, is Strength and Performance with... No, uh, you weren't there for that. Yeah, I was because I drove you and James up there. You you come now, over. Oh, the man the Manchester one. The Manchester one. The one in yeah. Manchester. Yeah, wow, yeah, the yeah. One in yeah. Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, the one in Swiss I weren't there. When yes. was that? That must have been that was after the one in Manchester, right? That was like a year or two later. Yeah, right. Okay. Oh, and I could I can't remember why I couldn't be there for that one, but I couldn't be there. And then yeah, so then that was right. So then we drove up. Um and Sean and, and Zoran, I haven't spoken to them guys in ages, but good dudes there. I hope they're doing good. Uh, um, I think they're doing really well. They 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 started trying to like franchise their gym out or something like that. Oh yeah, cool. They were yeah, they were doing like a whole business thing. They they asked me oh, if I wanted dudes. to turn free strength into an S and P gym. I was like, nah, I'm I'm good. But I I appreciate, I appreciate you guys are doing hustle. so well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. Yeah, they're good, great dudes. Great dudes. They even was running small competitions i remember like uk's strongest athlete and stuff like they they're good really good dudes uh i should really reach out to them and then um oh yeah shout at out that right? seminar yes shout out <laughs> sean and zoran the uh good times at the original smp gym so and, uh, you know who was at that seminar well that was where arno was that was when i met arno right? not just arno but uh kier oh yeah kia yeah 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 and and sam Sam uh, Portland. Portland. Yep. Those. Yep. So Kier, Kier was with what the London Wasp at that point or some shit. Yeah. 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 And I think Sam was he, one of his interns. If yeah. I'm correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Also good dudes and amazing. I don't know too much about um, what Sam's up to, but I know that Kier's done great stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's also over there in the U.S. now. I think. Yeah, Kier's Kier. He's had I mean, an amazing he, career from when I met him to mm -hmm. where he is now. He's done amazing work. That guy just. He just fucking hustles. Um, he's yeah. got his he's got his website. What is it like? Rugbystrengthcoach.com. Um, I think so. Yeah. And then he was also I think here was over in Japan, uh, and he was yep. he was killing it over there. But he's like, no, I want to do American football. He wants to be in the NFL, I think, or be at a big uh, uh, power five school. So yeah. now he's he went to. Jeez, I don't know, like Charleston or College of Charleston or something. And then now he's with William and Mary. And okay, he'll I've got no yeah, idea. He's with that guy, Eric Corum, who... Oh, yeah, he's Eric a Corum? very, very clever dude, yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah. so he there... He was one of the guys that James said is one of the better guys that yeah. he would recommend guys to go and learn from. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, and also you're forgetting, I mean, Kia also, I mean, he's he was at the Sydney Roosters when they were killing it. Mm -hmm. He also went to the to the rugby union World Cup with Argentina, you know. <laughs> I think he would have, he would have had to have learned Spanish to yep. to talk to them. So you know he'd done a lot of good stuff. And I mean, the first time I met him, he was the academy coach at London Wasps, working late at night. And you know, and it's amazing what he's done. So props to to Keir. Also shout out to Keir. 
haven't spoke to you in a long time, man, but I hope you're doing good. And also with Sam, I mean, it'll great dude too. I'm sure he's doing great stuff wherever he is. I'm not sure. He's, he's, he he's still in the UK. Yeah, he's still in the UK and he's doing like private consulting and seminars and stuff like that. And he's, he's training guys as well. He's got, I think he has like a pro football player, uh, like an American football player that lives in the UK that I think okay, played for cool. the Falcons or something. Yeah. Cool. Oh, nice. Oh, so, so, so we, I had done a podcast with Sam years ago, maybe like three years ago, four years ago, and maybe longer. And we developed a little bit of a correspondence back and forth. And then he invited me to this uh, group where we all, <laughs> we all just BS and we talk shit. It's like 20 coaches from, essentially around the world. And if anyone talks anything about training, like everyone gets yelled at. So all we do is it's like an Instagram group where we just send memes back and forth and talk shit. <laughs> it's really funny. Shout out to the side chick. <laughs> That's the name oh, of the group. Called? It's called your side chick. That way, if anyone ever looks at it, like a girl looks at it. <laughs> really, cool, really bro. funny. Cool. Very but, cool. So, so yeah, anyway, so from, from then, from Manchester, then you went to Australia. Then from Australia, you went. No, no, no. So after then, the Ma after Manchester, then that was that last year of university, I believe. And then after that whole thing had gone and with um, the Rugby World Cup, I was looking for something. And then I was just on on Facebook, and then I thought about um, Arno, who lived in Swiss, and he just opened up a gym that looked really cool. Um, and I wrote him and just said, um, this is about what I remember. It could be a bit wrong, but it's something like, I'm looking for some work. Do you happen to know anybody or have anything? Like I'd come out, you know, as soon as possible. And he wrote me back and was saying that he was looking for someone. Um, and then I, f I think a week later or a few days later, I was over in Swiss. And then um, very beginning stages of, of that gym, their elite, uh, elite training, Switzerland and slowly one by one uh client and i was really lucky because the first client i even got there so they didn't have many people but they had fantastic athletes in it already like for example arnold's brother nevin who is now gold medal gold medal silver medal overall world cup winner um i don't know how many times swiss champion in alpine snowboarding probably double digits um there was also um freestyle snowboarders, uh, Hitch or Christian uh, and Osina, his sister Hala, they were there too. There was an amazing uh, women's hockey player, Anya Stiefel there. Other people too, I can't remember, uh, you know, um, but uh, then my first person that I got through, through this was one of the other Alpine snowboarders who was going to the Olympics. His brother, who was a karate, um, a karate guy, but one of the most disciplined, still very good friends today. He's researching uh, hammerhead sharks in the Bahamas now. But this guy would train <laughs> with me. He would travel two to two and a half hours each way to come and train with me, but six days a week. And I mean, this guy, you know, he was, his life was karate. And I was really blessed that he was the first one, uh, first athlete that I got. And then slowly but surely things built up and, um, you know, when the time come to go to Australia to do my masters, um, 
you know, I just, uh, I just sort of like fallen in love and I was having a really good time in, in, in Switzerland, really, really good time. And I went to Australia, but I already knew I didn't want to stay there. So I went to Oz, um, the master's program, um, at Australian Catholic university. This was online. So I was in Oz for a bit. I basically didn't really stay much in Australia. It, it wasn't what I was expecting. I had so much expectation and hopes for it. And then I ended up going to Tasmania and I spent, uh, I don't know, about a month, maybe a bit longer, just road tripping around there. Then I went back to Swiss, had a blast. And then we, this gym really took off and we had a great time um, for the next four years, I believe. Um, and then I left, spent uh, a couple years, basically, um, Traveling around a little bit. I spent some time with you. I spent some time in South America. And now I'm back here for the last year. So that's me. To, to be clear, Brooker, Brooker spent 18 months on a motorcycle, living, on a, living off the back of a fucking motorcycle, going up and down South America. Yeah, and side to side because I and wasn't very organized. <laughs> <laughs> I had a really no plan. So it was also, uh, but yeah. 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 So, I mean, and this guy's got so many stories. I mean, he's, he's been, <clears throat> he's, he's, he's been all over the world and all, literally all over the entire continent of South America on backpack and motorcycle accidents, you know, falling off his bike, almost falling off a cliff, getting trapped in the friggin' desert. Like he's, it's, it's incredible that the guy's not dead. He should have died multiple times over. Um, used up a few cat lives <laughs> and more more just because i just didn't know what i was getting myself into you know? just made every single mistake every stupid mistake i remember one of the first days on the bike having a jerry like a a terrible plastic like very thin plastic jerry can of gasoline on the back because the bike the bike i had only had a 13 liter tank so that's nothing in south america right you can't even go to you're doing 250 kilometers you're lucky with that right so i had a 20 20 liter jerry can strapped on the back of this bike and it looked like a bike that just couldn't handle the weight because i had i think over 80 kilos of gear i had wetsuit all climbing equipment surfboard camping stuff like i could live it was like it looked stupid no like i had a whole house on the back of the bike you seen them pictures in like in somewhere in asia where they've got like you know, basically their whole house on the back of one of those mopeds. That's what I look like. You know? <laughs> and um, anyway, that jerry can, I stopped off to take a leak on the side of the road and I just heard this. And then I turned and the boys that I was with, they're like, oh shit, you, 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 the can's going to explode. That jerry can, because I didn't fix it down properly, it ended up in front of the exhaust and it burnt a little hole in it and it was pissing out fuel. Like that was the beginning of many, 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 many stupid things that I learned by doing. And somehow I'm lucky enough to be here with, uh, you know, with everything still in place. So, but then through that time of being on the bike, um, I had built up a really good relationship with a lot of the, the, the athletes that I'd worked with. And quite a few of them had, you know, at the beginning, not so much because I'd said that I wanted to sort of have a bit of a break from, from coaching and all that. And then, um, it, getting in touch with people and they said, listen, more than just the programs, it was just really beneficial just talking and you being involved in my team and different things like that. And I still had athletes that were still doing bits. And then I realized that probably the most important thing, if 
there is one in my opinion anyway it was just more the, the sort of the psychological the mental uh, condition and state of my athletes then or not my athletes that I own them but you know what I mean like the people that I'd worked with and um, that was when I that all that just become my focus that was everything I was reading I was listening about and then I just thought well there's only one way also to to take that to the next level to show my form of commitment and that was to start the the the, the doctorate in uh, in performance psychology so that's it mate yeah yeah so so Brooker had kind of gotten <clears throat> essentially the only the only thing he knew about physical preparation was in the beginning was essentially what what he had learned from from us over at DeFranco's when yeah. we were working. So what did he see at DeFranco's was me working like 50, 60, 70 hour weeks. Yeah. So looking like an idiot. <laughs> so <clears throat> so essentially that was all he knew. So he went to Switzerland and he worked <laughs> 60 hour weeks, 80 hour weeks, whatever it was. He's like, fuck, I don't know what the hell I want to do with myself. So that's kind of got a little burnt out. And that, that happens to a lot of people. I remember, I remember I'd gotten burnt out uh, a couple of years ago when my anxiety got really, really bad. Maybe it was, maybe it was like three, four years ago. And I had said to my dad, I was like, you ever, you ever get burnt out? And he looked at me, this is a guy that worked 70 hours a, a week his whole life and, and commuted an hour each way to work. He goes, what the fuck are you talking about? Your <laughs> old man, though. He's tiny, but he's like, like you know, strong as panther piss, your old man. And he's just, you know, tiny dude, but just, you know. <laughs> and and yeah. he's, he comes to the gym and he's just the nicest guy in the world at the gym. And I tell people, I'm like, that's not the man I grew up with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And he's not the man that when you're back at, back at home and uh, no one else is around, you know. He ain't taking nothing, is he? But, uh, you know, it's then, then after, after he finished with his motorcycle trip, he came right to, he, he came and slept on my couch for, for three months, you know, I, well, three months and then some. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, no, I think three months. Cause then I had to get out because of the, and then you the ended visa. up coming back for a little bit. Right. Yeah. Then that's right. Actually. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So I come out for a bit. I come. I forget how long you even came back for. Man, I'm, I, bro, honestly, I think I don't really remember that. I don't have that good of a memory. So I come. I I went directly from Colombia. Oh, that was right. I went from Colombia. I hadn't seen my parents for ages, so I mm -hmm. wanted to go home for Christmas. And I'm pretty sure I flew from Colombia then to you. No, you you flew from Colombia to England. Because I remember I told you, I was like, dude, I have work for you in the winter. Come in the winter. You're like, ah, okay, I'll come in the winter. And then you end up coming in March when I didn't have any work for you. Ah, that's right. Went to England, then to you for a bit. And then I went back to Colombia to put my bike, my motorbike and yep. store it because it exactly. was illegal uh, in where it was. And then, yeah. You stored it in Venezuela, didn't you? No, 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 no. Or Venezuela you could. was a no-go. Or you no couldn't go. go to Venezuela or some shit, so you had to store it in Colombia. That was... Yeah, well, I, no, you couldn't even leave it in Colombia either because in South America, they've got really crazy, crazy restrictions on certain things, different, all sorts of wacky rules. So I couldn't have the bike. I couldn't import the bike. Couldn't do anything. So I was like, it's a waste to just lose this bike. And at any point, you don't give the, the police and the authorities in these countries any advantage over you 
you know, you're just asking for trouble. So um, I just uh, took it to the grey zone between Colombia and Ecuador and found a bloke and just said, listen, can I keep my bike in your garden underneath a bit of tarp? Here's all my motorcycle clothes. Here's all my old equipment. You can have all of that. Just look after the bike for me. I'll pay, I think we agreed, $3 a month um, for the bike. And it's been there ever since. I don't know if it's still there or not. It used to send me a picture every now and then of it. Um, you still give them money? Yeah, 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 yeah. It just goes out direct. So... Uh, I should really probably find out what, what's, <laughs> what's going on with that bike. But I mean, if he, I, I hope he's just sort of jerry rigged it and, 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 and used it for himself because it's a very good bike over there for sure. So, <laughs> um, so, so from England, you ended up staying with me for three months. Yeah. yeah and, and that was also when I got back into the love of what I was doing. Cause I just, I didn't love right. it really that much uh, anymore. Mm -hmm. I was, yeah. we had, there was a lot of stuff that had happened. It was pretty, pretty rough, a lot of working. I was also doing my master's degree at the same time um, as working uh, a lot. And, you know, just, I don't know. I think there was, a, I needed to just have some time. I was still quite young when I left. I was only, what, 24, I think, 25. And we'd done a lot, you know. We, we, had, we, we really did good stuff there. You know, we had um, the best ice hockey team in Switzerland for, for a couple, I think, couple of seasons we had uh, a lot of uh, uh, olympians there you know skiers you know that were involved in the gym just fantastic people and just really really good i mean switzerland such a small little country people don't realize how little it is you know and but through our just our little private place we had a lot of really good talented wonderful people that come through the doors so we did really good we had the swiss national ice hockey team that we was doing bits for we actually brought in loads of technology that never had been in swiss like from the moxie monitor to the to the 1080 quantum and the sprint we had mm -hmm. that, that equipment before a lot of people had that um and we become friends with the the original like the original owner of it rolf oman who is the assistant uh uh, or the set numbers he's the second in charge i can't remember his exact title but he's the second in charge of the chinese olympic team track and field team and he was working with the pole vaulters and blah 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 blah, blah right so the, the the place had done uh had done really good but i was young and felt like i don't want to just keep working 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 i didn't see any escape you know i just saw that i was just getting more busy and wanted some some time you know to go and explore and I'd always loved, I think that there's, there's one thing in me, it's just this desire to go and to go and look around a little bit and be curious. And I just was like, fuck it, if I could do one thing right now, I'd love to just jump on a motorbike and just drive from the bottom of the Americas up to the top. That was the original plan, to go from Ushuaia up to Alaska. But, I mean, I had a bit of money put to the side. I didn't really give a monkeys what was going to happen or what was going to go on. Um, and that was that was it. You know what started off as a as a trip with a couple friends. After a couple months, we were like, "Listen, this is we need to go to go our own way a little bit here." And you know, just because it's 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 uh it's it's more grueling and more difficult than you realize to do such a trip like that. It's not as simple as like, you know, oh, we'll go. You know, especially when you're roughing it in some of these places. Right? It's like pretty grueling. I mean. It's, especially down the bottom of South America, you've got winds there that go gusts up to 140 kilometers an hour. I mean, you're riding a motorbike and you're, you're like this, 
uh, and it's just grueling. I mean, you got, you know, uh, you know, 800,000 kilometers between fuel stations and the fuel stations ain't even got cities there. They're just like a bunch of shacks sometimes. And, you know, um, I don't even know why I got onto this, mate. What was the... <laughs> I don't know why we're good. Because you're the most interesting man in the world. No, dude. No, 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 no. <laughs> so anyway, more about you, buddy. So with so, the... Um, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you came, I want to finish it. Because when you ended up coming here for those three months, you and I were sitting down and we didn't know what the fuck to do. I, was started, I started taking up the piano because <clears throat> I was trying to figure out... It was right when I had just figured figured out how to like start coping with my anxiety and all the shit I was going through. So mm. I was like, Oh, I want to surf. I want to play the piano. I want to do all this stuff. I want to learn how to do it. Well, and then you came here. It was, a, it was cold. And we, we got, I remember we bought you a wetsuit and we bought you some stuff. No, I had I, a wetsuit. We got some booties. And I, uh, I think that's all still in my trunk, right? All your stuff is still in my trunk or do you have it? Oh, you got it. Cause I was wondering if I'd lost that or not. So I'm glad I, I, may, I may have that in the trunk of my car cool. still, but Cool. Then you and I were sitting down one night and we were one of many nights sitting down by the fire, smoking cigars. And we're like, all right, well, fuck. I think, you know, cause Pat had done Pat, Pat Cole had just done the acupuncture school. He was in it. Yeah. Yep. And we were talking about it. And I said, you know, in New Jersey, no one can do the needlework unless you're an acupuncturist and yep. all my guys get that done. Like maybe I'll do that. And you said, yeah, you know, maybe, Maybe I'll figure, and you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do, whether you wanted to do like the online business stuff and, and try to do more of that. And then you said, you know what, fuck this. Like, I'm going to get my, I'm going to get my doctorate in, in psychology. So it was literally in that three month time where you and I both decided to just go towards higher education. And I, you had no money coming in at that point, And I had <clears throat> my entire business that was flourishing. Yeah. Right. And we both said, fuck it. We're just going to make this investment into pursuing, getting our doctorates in yeah. different realms yeah back could just reinvest back in and it's funny because it was the complete it wasn't what i wanted to do at all absolutely no chance mm -hmm. go back to school and do it like do this like deadlines and spend all this money and for what you know does it really matter like these letters after your name or something but i don't know there's a the way i sort of when people ask me now, why did you go? Why are you doing this again to yourself? For? I mean, you got a master's already, and but I just said, if our job is really service, it's better to just. There should be no stones left unturned, and I feel like this is, mm -hmm. you know, we're still young, man. I mean, yeah, you know, that's the beautiful thing about uh, what we do is we we're, we're getting sort of paid, and we're valuable for for the knowledge we have. And you, there's only what two ways you can really learn, right? It's from other people's experiences or from your own experience. And just the more that we just sort of accumulate knowledge and surround ourselves with people. And I mean, even if you can take one or two things away from acupuncture, I mean, you know, and we talk too much about me, like let's go into you, right? You are like the biggest skeptic, no SIBO, everything's bullshit, especially um, TCM sort of kind of stuff. It was, you know, you would have to be sort of slapped in the face by something to believe that it's valuable and true, right? Because you'd experimented with loads of things and, not that you're close-minded, but you know what I mean? Like you have to be proven that this works and this is worth risking it on my, on, on your clientele. And, you know, I remember these discussions by the fire with Pat about acupuncture and is this really, is there something to this or not? This sounds like a bit like, you know, woo-woo, um, et cetera, et cetera. But 
you started off being quite sort of skeptical. And I think, you know, I remember saying also at the beginning, like you, you're going to um, understand this topic from your own lens. And you, you know, there, there's going to be some things, some things that you can take from it, even if you don't use the same terminology or words or, or, or systems that they do in acupuncture. And I think that that's kind of what's happened, right? I mean, you've yeah. sort of, you've really in, embraced it and actually you're enjoying it a lot. This, uh, this traditional Chinese medicine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a new way to think, mm. right? I'm, I'm, I'm a real, as you said, I'm, I'm, I'm a slow to change person. I'm, I'm not, remember we took, uh, the Jordan Peterson's, um, uh, personality test. <clears throat> yeah. Remember you made me take that. Yeah. And I scored very low in intellect, which yeah. doesn't, it's, it's not a measure of intelligence, but it's your ability to think abstractly. Right. And I am not an abstract thinker. Mm. Right. I'm, I'm the definition of man with a hammer syndrome, man with, a, you know, to a guy with a hammer, everything becomes a nail. So knowing that about myself, I make a point to learn as many concepts as I possibly can to help me with more tools because, all right, well, if I am only as good as the tools that I have, then I better get some more fucking tools so it could help influence my ability to think and utilize different analogies. So that's, that's where the, whether, whether I believe in acupuncture or not um, is almost irrelevant because it helps me think in a different way. Sure. And that's, that's sure. the most important thing that you could get out of it is, is just to change your mindset just that much in order to expand your, expand your thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what sort of, um, sort of techniques are you most excited about? What sort of modalities are you like, what, what are you feeling? Like not sort of like, uh, cognitively, but I mean, sort of your instincts, what sort of, what's making you excited? What do you really want to start practicing? And, and well, do? the whole, like, the whole reason that I had started the acupuncture started thinking about it is because everyone started talking about fascia. And I was hearing all these monkeys just start throwing shit against the wall. And everyone was saying so many different things and no one really had any, any idea about it. So essentially, acupunct acupuncturists are the fascial manipulators, right? Mm. So that's, that's what kind of got me into it. And then also pain management. Um, and that's still the realm that I want to, the, the path that I want to walk down. Um, I still want to go into what's causing pain, how do we manipula manipulate it, or how do we change the perception of it. And that's, that's essentially where, where I, I'm going to take more of an orthopedic approach rather than a TCM approach with my needlework. That way, if someone has any kind of issue from an athletic perspective or, any, or anyone really, not even athletic, from, from a pain perspective, how can I get it, how can I get them to change how they're perceiving the situation and respond and adapt optimally to it. That's, that's, that's what I'm most excited for. And even after I finish school, uh, which is like a $60,000 education, I'm going to have to go and spend like another $20,000 in CEUs to take the courses that I want to take. School is essentially giving me a license to do what I want to do or to learn what I want to learn. Mm. You know? mm. But, but to, give, to give background into that insight, 
Um, I had started off just, just, we gave, we went into Brooker's background a little bit. <clears throat> I had started off as a young meathead, uh, just training nonstop. And I ran into a guy named Joe DeFranco at the gym that I was training at one day. Then I started training with DeFranco's. I trained there for years. I started with Joe when I was like 17, 18 years old, trained there for years, uh, started filling in on sessions for when guys would kind of like botch, botch sessions, like kind of forget about them. And then one day Joe was like, Hey, you want to take this guy? I said, fuck yeah, I do. I think it was like 21 at the time. I was either 21 or 22. And it was, it was a St. Joe's football player or a kid that was going to St. Joe's. He was in eighth grade or he was a freshman at that time. And the kids graduated college since, and I think he's working for the Miami dolphins now. Um, But I had started training him. Then I ended up being a full-time trainer with Joe for an entire summer. And then once, once I graduated school, was a full-time trainer with Joe, I left to do an internship over at Pittsburgh with Buddy Morris and James Smith. Then from there, I came back to DeFranco's where I ended up being Joe's head trainer or head of physical preparation or head of sports performance or head of rehab or whatever the fuck title we we wanted to call it that week and from there i pretty much trained everyone with the exception of triple h i trained all 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 the clients that joe had with the exception of triple h i had also trained Mm. um and then joe had moved the gym down to texas asked me if i wanted to go i said no it just you know i'm I'm a homebody then i was kind of just well do i wait around for a pro job a college job or do I just start my own gym? I had never wanted to own a gym. So then I started a gym. Um, and during that time, while I was at DeFranco's and I was owning my own gym, um, I had just become obsessed with learning and would just read and read and read. I remember I would spend every Wednesday, which was my, I've said this on other podcasts before, but I've, I've, I would spend every Wednesday. It was my favorite day. I'd wake up at like two in the morning. I'd take an Adderall and I'd take a provigil. Remember when we were talking about provigil stuff? Um, I would take an Adderall, uh, like a instant release Adderall. I would take, and I had the scripts for everything. I brew a pot of coffee, take like 125 milligrams of provigil. And I would just read and I would read and I would read for easily. (coughs) Easily. I would read for 10 hours at a clip before I even got up. And then some days I would read, I would, I would just not even have work on a Wednesday. Some days I would read for 20 hours. Other days I would read for 10, 15 hours or 12 hours and then go to work afterwards and then come back and then try to go to sleep. And I did that every Wednesday. Sometimes I would do that two, three times a week because I started getting obsessed with it. But then I noticed like a little bit of a dependency on the, on, on the drugs. I, like, I remember I that too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ah, this isn't, this isn't that good of a, an idea. Let me, let me just string this a little further apart. So I did it weekly for years. Mm. Um, and I came up with a method that after watching a Ted talk, uh, the guy had said, you can, you can become average at anything with just 20 hours, 20 hours of work and you can become genuinely average at something. I said, awesome. So I'm going to apply that to learning. So I'd pick a topic and I'd spend 20 hours learning about it. And in that 20 hours time, I would outline three to five constituents of that topic that I can dive into. So then I would learn about those for 20 hours each. 
So then after about, you know, two months of learning about a topic once a week, I became a quasi expert because I learned about that topic. And then I learned about the things that made up that topic and then the things that made up that topic. So that was like a kind of a cheat code for me to learn a shit ton of information on a shit ton of topics in a short amount of time. And because of that, I was able to accelerate my learning. So I did that for, I did that for years. Um, and then when I started my own gym, I continued that, but then it got harder and harder to do that, <clears throat> especially after, after having like, uh, like almost, almost an emotional breakdown at one point where remember I was talking to you on the phone, like once a week or once every two weeks. And I was just, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, in a bad place. Yeah. In a brutal place <clears throat> talking about, you know, having to maybe do SSRIs or take this yeah, or take yeah. that. And I never yeah, took yeah. anything. It was, but it was brutal. Yeah. Um, so at that point, that's when I had stopped all of that. And that was like four years ago. So four or five years ago, and I really haven't done anything since, but I did, I did that regiment for, I might've done that regiment maybe weekly for five years mm. easily. Right. Dude, I, yeah, that was your favorite thing to do. <laughs> um, fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this, <laughs> this is why I call you the most interesting man in the world. And so you, you did the complete opposite. You went out and you experienced the world. Whereas what I did is I locked myself in a fucking room and I just read and read and read mm. and, and watched video after video. And, and I'd call this coach and that coach and email this person and that person and do everything I could to just, to just learn where you did all your learning on the road and you learned all your concepts out there. Now, granted, you're, I'm not saying you're not studious because you no, fucking, no, 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 I mean, no, 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 I you, know, bro. I, know I, I had started, I had started my master's um, maybe in 2012 or something like that. I'd taken nine course, nine credits. Uh, it was, or maybe it was 2013 or 2014. <clears throat> and they said, all right, here's your master's program. Read this study, report on it. Read that study. Let us know how you feel about it. Now read this book and read that book. I was like, yo, this is fucking bullshit. I'm doing this once a week anyway. And now you're telling me bullshit that I have to read that I'm not even fucking interested. Yeah, I fucking yeah. quit. Right. Yeah. So I didn't even finish. I have nine credits towards my master's it means absolutely nothing. Um, and then I ended up going and I'm not, a studious person in the traditional sense. I'm not an academic. I fucking hate school. So for me to yeah. go back to school was, was a big, and I wasn't even a good student. I was a C student, mm. flat out C student my entire mm. high school, college, C student. And even now getting my doctorate, I don't give a fuck about, I, I get A's and B's, but I could not care less about my grades. All I care sure. about is what I'm learning. And I have, mm. I have classmates that care about their grades deeply. And I just say, this is a waste of your fucking time. Sure. Learn what you need to learn and learn how to apply it and yeah. make it useful. Don't just yeah. sit here and spit out the fucking information. So I'm not, I'm not that person. If I don't think it's useful, I will not fucking learn it. Like there's, mm. there's a course right now I'm taking and I see no benefit in it. I, I, I'm retaining none of the information. Sure. <laughs> you know? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, because it's not uh, applicable to your situation. I mean, you know, you can't, we're not computers. We can't just, everything you read, you can't remember it all. I mean, I know so many people that just read and read and read and learn, 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 but they don't actually do fuck all. Yeah. And yeah. that's where the real learning happens is in action, applying it into the world and seeing the way that, you know, reality changes. That's the real, the real essence of it. And I mean, you know, learning, 
you know, in this way, what we're doing now, it's only just to apply it. it that, that's yeah. basically it. I don't really care about anything else, you know? Yeah. So of the things that you're sort of learning right now, I mean, what, you know, say like, for example, if I think about acupuncture, I think about, um, you know, a bunch, just the body covered in needles. Um, I think about uh, cupping. I think about, yeah, like that's about it, to be honest. There's, you know, there's, if I, if I've, there's also herbs associated with it as well. Yeah, so that's interesting because that's what Pat sort of enlightened mm -hmm. me on and, and learning about that. And that makes a lot of sense too. So what's the, where do you say like from what everything that you've learned? I mean, of course, you've you know discounted a lot of it, but what are the bits that are quite valid? And what do you think that you're going to, you're going to be using and applying and because the real learning also happens now once the school finishes i mean this is also what i said to pat you know like don't be concerned because i mean you've done school but it's not until you've just done hundreds of sessions that you start realizing actually there's something to this there's not with this one if i change it up like this i get a different result so yeah. what sort of things are you looking to to take forward i mean say for example cupping needles electro needles is that part mm -hmm. of acupuncture or not you know yeah yeah uh and that's essentially cupping dry needling-esque work now dry needling is a form of acupuncture but not all acupuncture is dry needling uh dry mm. needling is to, to clear this up dry needling in the states is a certification that certain medical health professionals are allowed to take it's like a 50-hour course maybe 36 where they just sit there and they needle and they learn about it and they do it like a weekend course. And then they're legally allowed to stab you with, with fucking needles. And they, re and I had at the point I had had 80 hours of clinic work under my belt. And after 80 hours and some really good education with it, I still didn't feel comfortable needling people. So after having a weekend certification with this, I can't, I can't in good conscience say that I'm competent enough to put needles wherever I want on you. It's a mm. lot of, essentially with dry needling, you get the right to practice, the legal right to practice on people until you get proficient. Whereas in acupuncture, like I, I have to do close to a thousand hours of, of needlework before I'm even allowed to test for my boards. And mm. that's just of needlework. I think we have to do like 860 or 890 hours just of clinic work and observational work of needles under strict supervision before we're legally allowed to needle people. Um, and that doesn't include the 1700 hours. I think it's like 16 or 1700 hours worth of coursework that we have to do as well. So it's, it's a really big, really big time slot. So that's the difference between dry needling and acupuncture is acupuncture has a significant more, uh, 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 way more uh, education with it. Whereas, mm -hmm. <clears throat> Whereas dry needling is just like a, a shorter course. So I'm going to do needlework. I'm going to do some e-stim. Um, there's, there's this guy that I'm learning from right now, certain concepts um, that, you know, I'm not even going to elaborate on because it's still so, so new to me. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'm going to do different types of e-stim. Uh, cupping will obviously be part of it. Now, twina, twina is acupuncture's massage. Um, but it's also manipulation so they're allowed to do joint manipulations with twina they're allowed to do body work with twina you name it any kind of body work you're allowed to do it with twina it encompasses everything um then if i wanted to do the herbal program 
that would be our pharmaceutical aspect. And then if I wanted to do, and then Qigong and Tai Chi, that's, that's acupuncture's form of physical therapy. So acupuncture in itself is a holistic practice. Mm. So by me being an acupuncturist, I can do whatever the fuck I want. That's what was appealing. That's why I chose acupuncture rather than my doctorate of physical therapy. I want to be yeah. a doctorate of acupuncture because I'm essentially, I'm, I'm a full go to do whatever the hell I want with someone. And it's still covered under, you know, within reason. And it's still covered under the scope of acupuncture. Whereas if I'm a physical therapist, there's very strict guidelines. Like there's certain things that I can do and certain things that I cannot do. Sure. And I'm, I'm restricted by certain protocols and I'm handcuffed by insurances with certain things. So that's something that I just don't want to have to deal with. That's one of the main reasons I chose acupuncture and not physical therapy. And I could have, I could have chose physical therapy. It's not like I couldn't have gotten into school. My resume, my resume got me in. Um, but acupuncture was more appealing because one, I could do more. And two, it was a different thought process of how to think. Like it just, just the way it was, it encompasses way more than traditional Western medicine stuff, mm. um, which I am Western, I'm Western medicine influenced and trained. Um, but I still, and it's not like I'm one of those, Hey, you could defeat coronavirus with just some essential oils and like, you know, yeah. rosemary or some shit like that's, yeah. that's not what yeah. I am, but there's still aspects of it that are useful. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that was a, a pretty shitty answer to your question as to no, what the hell I'm going to use. No, no, I mean, yeah, you didn't really answer the question at all, <laughs> but, you know, it was still interesting what you said. No, I mean, the thing that I feel like I've seen sort of change in you is this, it's almost like your philosophy with your perspective has changed a lot, you know, like this new, the, these new ideas. I mean, you're approaching things very differently. I mean, before, like if we look at like the the progression of of you in your trade, very much when I first met you, you was you know uh, into you know get people strong, explosive, like jumps, uh, weights, some sprint work, um, sort of quite west side approached. Then as time went on, you went to go with Buddy and James. I think that opened your eyes a lot. Everything sort of changed then, especially because of how different personalities those two guys are. They're very different people, but with some, um, uh, they look at certain things the same way, I think, but there's other things they probably don't. Then you've sort of took into a lot of sort of speed development and looking into this and movement inefficiencies. And the stuff that you started off with got sort of, they're not really as important anymore. Right, so sort of this sort of like idea of like maximal strength and and, and different fit and grinding out um, just as many reps as possible and stuff like this is just sort of kind of going away. And now it's sort of you seem to me like you're approaching more of like the art form of, of body work. If I'm going to be completely honest, and I think that's if I look at if I look at how you've progressed and where what sort of direction you might be going, it it looks like it in this sort of way. And I think that the acupuncture has been really helpful to you in, in your changing your, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about the filters you got of your own narrative, right? We're receiving information, but we're projecting a lot too. And I mean, you've just upgraded your filters. I feel right with things that you would never have touched on otherwise, if you didn't do such a school. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, I, but I, I think we both feel the same way about this in, 
uh, physical performance only matters so much as long as you can get on the field or get on the ice, right? Like the playing, the playing field is the most important thing. So whatever enables our guys first and foremost to play is most important. Then we figure out what helps them play optimally. And I, I feel like what, what you and I, the more we learn, the less other things like that, the less the bench press, the less the squat and the traditional weight lifts even matter. Mm. Um, so what matters is their mental state. What matters is their mind-body connection, right? How, how they can unlock what they're doing, how they, it, and, and a lot of my guys will get injured if uh, strictly because they don't know how they're supposed to be feeling. Because I'll ask them a million times, like, hey, how you feeling? How's this? How's that? No, no, I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. Well, that's, that's a vague answer. You know, is anything tight? No, mm. nothing's tight. How about your hamstring? Do you feel anything in your hamstring? No, I don't feel anything. Uh, how about your hip flexor? Do you feel anything in your hip flexor? Well, yeah, I'll feel a little bit something here, but I'm okay. Well, so what you need to do, what our job is, is to help them realize how they're supposed to feel. And then once we do that, we need to have the answer on how to address that, mm. how to address the suboptimal feeling or suboptimal state that they're in. Uh, and can we do that with certain exercises? Yeah, but a lot of it has to has it, it's it's done quicker with body work in some instances. And the more we learn about it, the easier it is for us to facilitate an optimal state, both psychologically and physiologically. So that's yeah. why that's why I think the acupuncture was so appealing to me and the psychology was so appealing to you is because, all right, there's only so much fucking weight work can really do for someone and a lacrosse ball and all this, right? Like we need to sit down. We need to understand you as a person or we need to sit down and we need to understand your body holistically. Mm. Those are the things that really matter. And the higher education in those two sects are, are significantly more important, I think, than just the typical body preparation. Sure, sure. And I mean, you know, there's one thing, because I mean, you know, we don't know who, who's going to listen to this. And not that I really want to sort of filter away from our own uh, just sort of dialogue, but we're dealing with professional athletes that are in the 0.0001% of the population. And they're already really fucking good at what they do. Like really, really good at what they do. So if you're not that good at sport, yeah, all right, a bit of bench, squat, some chin-up. Yeah, it might make you better. Yeah. But when you're going up to these, like, top levels, for me, like, uh, performance in any endeavor is like a byproduct of how that person's really feeling. Like, their, sent, like their, their, um, their state, let's call it like that. And, uh, you know, whether we – I mean, we said this before on one of the other ones, but, you know, we – our job is really just to make sure that people feel – better than when they first come to us. And I yeah. really feel like whatever means necessary, you know, some massage, a talk, maybe a, an absolute flogging. Maybe someone needs to just get flogged, but in a healthy way. Do you know what I mean? You know, you could argue th there might be ways to do it or chuck them in the sauna and go hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, you know, or breath work or do a meditation with them or take them to the pub and have a drink. You know, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that really should be, that's the way I kind of look at it is, you know, 
you've got someone that's coming to you. They don't need to come to you. They're deciding to trust you, which is already quite a big honour, and to help them with something that they feel is really, really important to them. So I think that we just have to be open to the fact that we have a certain skill stack. We have a bunch of different tools. We might be able to use them in a way to help that person out and make them feel better. Maybe we don't. Maybe we have to sort of step outside of our, step away from ourself and, and recommend out. But, you know, the, uh, I wanted to go, go into like this body work approach that, 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 that you're going into is, is really, really, really beneficial for people because if their bodies are feeling good, that has a huge impact also on their mind. If their mind is feeling good, that is the, the, the chance of a good performance is, 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 is really high after that. And these guys are naturally anyway, very strong, very fit, like their sport practice alone, like people don't realize that can already be brutal. They've got so much energy yeah. output that's going on, trying to compete with all of these other guys that are trying to take their spots. You know, like our work is really about uh, less about breaking down to build up. I, I don't feel I, I don't feel like it's that way. I think that we're just supportive in what we do. We just want to keep adding on these little percentages with people just to help them sort of realize whatever natural uh, strengths they have already is to focus on those too. That's not to say that the weaknesses aren't important, but everyone always talks about oh, what's your what's your weakness? Let's look at that. But hang on a second, if you've got a natural inborn strength that's something very, very important. And most of the time people haven't fully explored what that is and what that can become. And I think that, you know, if you helping people sort of align their body and feel good, you know, try and help them to encourage them into a parasympathetic state to be in that state outside of their sport uh, practice or their sport competition is going to definitely aid and benefit their, their, their sense of self. So then the, the, the performance is a byproduct of just feeling really, really, really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it, it, we, we talked about this before. What did, what did I do for, for Kevin? I made him feel like him again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's all that matters. So, I mean, yeah. when, when Kevin Love was 19 years old, he was a first rounder. He was a top five pick, right? Yeah. So all we needed to do was allow his skill set that he had developed over these years to take over yep. and literally unlock his body into feeling how he should be feeling yep. or how he's capable of, you know, like it's, that's, that's all that matters is can, can I get Devin McCourty to feel good? Yeah. That's all that fucking matters. You feel good. You're going to play good. Right. And, and, the, the amount of forces. Now, it's, it's just like you were saying before, we're dealing with the top, you know, 1% or the 0.1% or the 0.01% of athletes in the world. You know, um, Devin McCourty is a 10-year guy in the NFL. And last year, he was one of the best safeties. You know, Kevin Love is a future Hall of Famer um, and a gold medalist, right? So, so these are the best athletes. These are the gold standards of athletes. So their approach definitely needs to be different than a young kid that, hey, let's just put some weight on and fucking have you do pull-ups until the cows come home. And, oh, you did a thousand push-ups yesterday. All right, well, let's do a thousand today as well. And we're just going to do them every fucking day until you get fucking stronger. Um, so there's, there's obviously the difference. But if you look at James, James had said this to me, uh, the thinker had said this to me years ago. He said, look at the very worst athlete 
and look at the very best athlete and what do they have in common? And it's their preparation. All both of them need are general exercises and to practice their sport. Yeah. That's yeah. all they fucking need. The elite need less general exercises and more sport practice. That's how they're going to get real better, uh, real, real good and, and better at their sport. And the shitty guys are going to do tons of physical preparation and tons of general work with their skills. That's, yep. that's all these people need in order yep. to get better at the sport. It's people, it's once you start going in between that you need some more special exercise and you need this, you need that. Whereas, and even that stuff, it's not as, it's not as complex as we make it out to be. Oh, no chance. You know? No chance. Yeah. 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 I mean, we spoke about this before, you know, it's a lot of guys will get their sort of knickers in a twist going on about, oh, is a back squat better than a front squat? And you have to have this uh, device attached to it to know that if it's not moving this speed, then it's not worth it. And I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it could be a log on your shoulders and go walk up a hill. I mean, I'm not saying that it depends on the context, of yeah. course, but you know, what's really really important i mean not many people really ask that question a lot of people just keep they do what they see other people do and they think that they're, well, there must be something to it and then they'll have all these layers of cognitive biases oh well that makes sense and i can see why they might do that so i should just do it too and it becomes this accumulation of just loads of different stuff you know what i mean and half of the time i'm not quite sure that it actually makes that big of a difference yeah really really i mean the number one most important thing is is can people play Mm -hmm. play i mean not do the, the 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 technique behind closed doors when no one's watching i'm talking about play when you've got the best other people in there and it's like modern day warfare essentially right like everyone's trying to attack each other it's like a a, a group of, of husky dogs all them dogs are trying to be the first one that's why it works you know and in sport too you know like everyone's trying to be the best so the most important thing is, can you even play the sport? Are you good at the sport? Are you able to also compete? I mean, competing is also different than, you know, like I said, say basketball. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of guys out there that they can shoot three pointers, you know, until, you know, the moon comes out, but then put them inside a stadium where they've got, you know, all this noise, all this pressure, all of these external factors going on, they, they might crumble. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, it's they're... so hard. And also, mate, sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. When, when, when we talk about this stuff, it's always context dependent. Always context for a specific individual at a specific time is only the is only really the uh, the correct requisites you can say to actually say something in truth. You know, because you know you could argue anything is actually beneficial. Yeah. But also argue that nothing is beneficial in some form or way. I feel like, you know what I mean? And just depending on the way you look at it and, you know, these, these like top level dudes, it's, I feel like there's a lot, um, there's a lot that their own natural intuitions can really say in this, you know, because they're trying to do things that no one else has really done before. So a lot of the time also, I think it comes to uh, them sort of, having the courage to try new things out because i mean what you do as a beginner to get to an intermediate is one thing intermediate to advanced is another advanced to elite is another elite best in the world is another then what you know say like someone like you know roger federer right i'm sure you know who he is right the tennis player right mm -hmm. amazing amazing crit but 
I'm sure he's still trying out different things and, and, you know, he's not doing what he did when he was a kid. You know what I mean? Or he probably ain't doing what he did five years ago, 10 years ago, because there's just this sense of, of trial and error that comes. And I think that's also really important for what we do too, is that, you know, man, if we're honest, bro, like we're going to look back in five years and look back and be like, what the fuck was I going on about? I didn't have a clue. I don't know shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel like that's almost just a given because the more you just keep reinvesting into yourself, hopefully you do learn and you can look back and say, well, actually, I don't think that at all anymore. Or I thought I knew, but I didn't really know. Do you know what I mean? And as a, as a natural consequence, and I think that in this uh, profession of what we're doing, this reinvestment into ourselves and trying to progress this knowledge and also not knowing how this comes. I mean, say like the acupuncture score, it might have been that, dude, you don't use any of it. Could be, right? Don't mean that it's also not worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to, to go back just a little bit, I think I, as you were talking, I, I kind of had this thought that one of the reasons why we prepare is to make sure that we can withstand the rigors of practice, mm. right? Because unless these athletes can practice, they're of no good. They're of no use and they're never, they're never going to get better. Um, so it, it, was, it was bringing me back to why I have guys do the tread sled. So I'll have them do, uh, my, my pro guys, they'll do up to eight sets of six-second sprints with 45 seconds rest for five reps. And excuse me, eight series of that. Um, and then the rest five minutes in between each series. Why? Because that's getting them ready uh, energy system wise and work capacity wise, general work capacity wise, just volume wise to be able to handle the rigors of camp. Sure. And I think we worry so much about the, the performance and how we're going to impact performance that we, we don't think that how we can properly prepare these guys for practice, which is really what's going to help performance. Sure. And that's probably also where the majority of the injuries come from. Right. So, and, so yeah, getting good enough to also be able to play on the team. You know, you might be fantastic, but if you ain't showing up and proving it in, in practice, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, base, baseball players are notorious for hitting buckets of balls uh, daily, right? Mm-hmm. They'll take tons and tons and tons of repetitions every single day of the same type of repetition over and over and over again. And essentially, that's specific work capacity. And the only way that they, re- and sometimes you really don't start clicking until, you know, at towards the end of the second bucket or towards, you know, or towards the end of the third bucket, things really don't start clicking for you real well. So what we need to be able to do is we need to be able to get their physical preparation to the point where they can withstand the ability to perform over repetition after repetition after repetition and we need to make sure that they can't that they don't fatigue at that point or that what we're doing isn't is not taking away from those reps does that make sense absolutely absolutely so we need to enhance their ability to perform those reps after reps after reps in order for them to have the realization so they can achieve sport form sure absolutely Absolutely. And I mean, this, uh, this, this word work capacity, I mean, this is absolutely crucial. This is, this is, this is crucial. It goes also, you know, whenever this topic comes up, I always think about James's 
uh, thinkers, uh, early work like um, maximal versus operational outputs mm -hmm. and what, stuff like this. I mean, we really always love to focus on the maxes, you know, without realizing that a lot of the time we're, we're operating underneath our max, but we have to do this over and over and over again. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and looking at both sides of the puzzle is also really important. So I think that's really important what you said, mate, like preparing guys to be able to practice, to give them the best chance of showing them the sports skill at the right time. I mean, at the end of the day, the amount of um, stupid shit that people do, it never fails to amaze me, you know, because especially when you think about athletes' careers are limited, you don't know when it's going to end. It could be the next practice or the next game. you got this chance that you've been working years for to actually earn some really good money with different things and, you know, try and change not just your life, but maybe even your, your family's name forever. I mean, that could happen, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, it's also amazing how <laughs> there's not much uh, security that you have as a young athlete. I mean, I think it's different all around the world and certainly within different sports is very different, but you've got a lot of idiots around. A lot of idiots making people do stupid shit and hurting them or not giving them the chance to perform at their potential or giving them the chance, yeah, giving them the chance to perform at their potential in the actual uh, competition. And this idea of looking at it to prepare them for practice and preparing for the, you know, just for the, let's say like the rigors of the game or the rigors of the season is quite a nice way to look at it. So, but there was actually, sorry, something else I wanted to say with, um, that I had a thought about with preparing uh, athletes is what's quite interesting sometimes is, is that sometimes your best performance comes when you're not expecting it yeah. or, when, or when it shouldn't really be happening. And this is also something that I, I really like to, to, to think about and to explore as to why that could be the case. I mean, we spoke on a, a previous one about you having your best season uh, when you had a, 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 an injury, right? A bad, mm -hmm. was it bad shoulder, bad back? Um, bad shoulder, bad back and pneumonia. Right. There you go. <laughs> Playing amazing. And there's also that element too, right? Like sometimes all these things that we think about, they get thrown out too. And, uh, you know, it's fun. It's fun to think because I, I, I'm unsure myself, certainly on the, the definite answers of, of half of this stuff. You know what I mean? It makes sense right now. It might change. It's like, I could be wrong, but I'm not really um, uh, in doubt with what we're saying about right now. Do you know what I mean? Like I yep. believe in it wholeheartedly yeah. now. It's like sort of strong opinions loosely held. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's important that people understand that what we think right now will almost absolutely change. Yeah. yeah. Not only five years from now, but maybe five minutes from now. Yeah. Um, and I, I hope so almost in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't hold, I, I don't believe anything right like there's certain mm. there's certain thoughts that i have but i don't necessarily believe in anything mm. um so if if there's some research that's going to point me into another direction then i'll allow that to occur or certain certain things happen that will make me think another way i yeah. don't like i'm not married to one thing or one thought or or one statement that i ever make i can make i can make a statement this week that next week i'm like look back and say this is really fucking stupid yeah. So I, I think it's important to to have that mindset, but also not to not to be, you know, a, a piece of fucking straw in the wind just being blown back and forth. You know, sure. There there needs to be something logical to support my reason for change. I'm not saying like I'll I'll go back and forth just you know as as the wind, but 
but I'm not, again, I'm not married to one thought or one idea. Sure, sure. Yeah, and that's a bit of like black and white thinking, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm only going to be like this. Or I'm only, I mean, it's always a blend. You know what I mean? And like what you said, I mean, just the fact that you're, that you're open to the possibility that you are going to change, being vulnerable in that way means that, yeah, you might be stupid. I mean, everyone's done stupid shit, right? I mean, Jesus Christ, I know personally and professionally done a lot of stupid shit. You too, right? But that's also part of learning, part of growing. I mean, if you don't try, you don't know. I mean, you can think over and over and over again. And I mean, we've got a lot of really smart people. I mean, there's a lot of people out there with way smarter than us, way smarter than us, that don't actually go out and try different things out because of, well, who knows, could be a, multiple different reasons why, but the, really the real learning comes from applying in, in the field. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, and it's going to be fascinating now once you finish school to just, you know, go mad. You know what I mean? Go for it and just start playing around with it again, having this sort of uh, childlikeness, play, you know, being playful with it and, and seeing what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 really excited. I'm really excited for the next 10 years because I'm spending, you know, these these 3 years learning about it and then the next 7 to 10 years really starting to perfect something or really not not perfect but to become an expert in something. Yeah. You know, and at that point, 10 years from now I'll be 44 and then it's going to walk me down another path, right? I've already been doing strength strength conditioning stuff for you know, 12, 13 years, whatever it's been. And now I get to do something else for another 12, 13 years in conjunction with what I'm already doing. Sure. And before you know it, I'm an expert in two different things that'll complement each other. That'll just yes. enhance, enhance it that much more. You know, not enough. I, I think not enough people look at it from that perspective either. Your, your ability to look at things in the long term. That's what yeah. I wanted to say. So that's one thing that you've been very um, impactful in my life and my perspective is I'm a lot more sort of impulsive, short-term uh, orientated than you are. And your ability to understand zooming out a little bit and just this long-term game that we're playing. I mean, as coaches, we should be our best in the years to come. You know, like that's just, if, if we're playing this long-term game, which we've agreed to play, then devoting ourselves to it just means as a natural consequence, we're only going to get better as time goes on. You know what I mean? And that's this idea of, you know, you being an expert in strength and conditioning and, and then in acupuncture, and probably later than that, other things too. And then that skill stack will make you very unique and very valuable to the, to the right person at the right time. And, you know, that's the, that's the cool thing of, that's why the future looks so good, mate, for, for yourself myself too and for a lot of the people that we know is uh things are only going to get better like the best is yet to come yeah yeah that's i think that's the most important thing that that young coaches or anyone really needs to understand is that if you just spend time and devote time to doing something you're not going to get good right away like i said it takes 20 hours to become average hmm. right you're just going to be average so you do something for for a week, for two weeks, for, for a year, for two years, you're still just average. Sure. And it's only once you become an expert or become truly competent in something, 10,000 hours, 10,000 sessions, or 10,000 reps, whatever the fuck it's going to be, um, 
that I, I, I look at it as 10 years spent doing something where you really have some quality insight and not just doing something like kind of sort of doing something like spent every day, 10 years every day doing something like you've got to know something. Right. Sure. And, and at that point, think about how many other people have spent 10 years doing it. I mean, 10 years being an accountant, you know how to be an accountant, but you're no better than any other accountant that's been doing it for 10 fucking years. Right. Like what, what makes you that much better or worse than anyone else? So now, now's the time where you either, you want to get to that type of point and then you can either decide what path you want to go. And once you have a full understanding and a, a really good comprehension of what's going on and how you want to dive into it. Um, mm -hmm. There's a story my dean told me. Um, he, so I, an experience I had with my dean when I first went to school, he was feeling one of our, one of our students' hands, and he goes, uh, "Your back hurt? Yeah. Lower left hand side? Yeah. And you're sweating at night? Yeah. Like, dude, how the fuck do you know that?" He goes, "Well, it, mm, it's a family technique. You won't learn this." I said, well, what the fuck? That's, that's the shit I want to learn. You know? Um, I said, where'd you learn it? He says, the masters. I said, who the fuck are the masters? He said, when acupuncture, when communism took over, they burned all the books of acupuncture. Right. And the masters were the people that read the books prior to everything being burned. And it wasn't just the acupuncture books they burned. They burned everything. Right. That's, that's what the communists did. Um, so the masters are people that read the old books prior to them being burned and they had all the knowledge. And he said, well, there's a problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, all the masters are dying. I said, oh, well, you learn from them. You could teach. And he says, uh, no, I don't, I don't have the experience. He said, I'm not good enough. I said, so how long have you been doing acupuncture? 20, 25 years? He said, yeah. I said, you've been a dean for what, five, 10 years? He said, yeah. I said, and you don't, you don't know enough? You know, so it's, in, he says, you spend 10 years develop uh, learning someone else's technique then you spend another 10 years figuring out another way to do things and then you spend the last 10 years really refining what you were doing and then after that you can teach right so it takes i look at that approach with anything like holy fuck i mean that's how you really you really become refined at what you do but i mean it doesn't mean you can't be an expert in 10 years right or be, or oh. be very 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 good 10 sure. years spent just dedicating your life to that thing for 10 years so sure. i mean by the time i'm 44 i'll have two things that i've spent significant time dedicating myself to for 10 years each time minimum and then after that i'll find something else and then i'll only be 54 and then yeah. i'll only be 64 so i'll learn four things that I'll be masterful in like world-class level that I would, I would like to be that I can give. And then now like people are living to be 80, 90 years old. Fuck. That's, that's like the, the, the fourth quarter for me. By the time I'm six, uh, 64, I'm in the fourth quarter. So yeah. now I can give and now I can really do stuff. Like I'm as far as education and everything right now, like I'm taking in the education, I'm learning. I'm not the one giving it. Sure. And that's, that's, that's like been, been my thought process with things. That's why I don't really put much out there. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. It's like the impact of like compound, like compounding these compounding interests. Yeah, exactly. That's the, 
that's that's really the great thing of, of what it is. And I mean, really, dude, it won't be until, you know, 50, 60. I mean, that's also where, you know, you know, men really show how good they are with things. I mean, it's like, you know how they make a samurai sword. It's just like continual heat, whack, cold, heat, whack, cold, yep. heat, whack, cold. I mean, you know, there's, there's, that's almost like the, the secret to anything, right? And, uh, you know, it, the most important things in life, it seems to be like if you approach them with a, with a long-term uh, perspective, it, it goes better, right? Yeah, I think it was that, what's that Naval quote, like, um, you should only play long, uh, long-term games, um, and in with health, wealth, and um, relationships. These are like the things that you should be really looking at long-term, um, and, and 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 devouring into them. And I mean, this will also add into your to your wealth because your wealth is dependent on the the value that you can give to other people. And the more that you sort of uh, reinvest into yourself and experiment and keep progressing. The, the value you can provide people is, is enormous. I mean, you've had rem- tremendous results with people in one session that you've been able to do, right? Mm. So if that's going to continue, what does the future look like? It looks really, really, really good, mate. And you deserve it all because you're disciplined, you're working hard, you, you, you keep reinvesting back into yourself and, you know, the future looks great, mate, really. Yeah. That would just, it just... One one day at a time, one rep at a time. Now, another way that I also look at it too, and this is why it's a long-term game. Um, Justin Tradow uh, just started picking up golf, right? And he's like the ten thousand rep rule guy. You know, if you spend if you spend ten thousand reps, like you're going to get pretty good at something. He says, "Oh, fuck it, I'll just if a normal person does ten thousand reps in five years or whatever, he says, I'll do it in two. So I'll just up my reps, you know, like that's, that's how we just fucking thinks about it, whatever the hell it is. So he started swinging every single day. And after two weeks, he hurt himself, (laughs) right? So, so if you try to speed up the process and and there's, he goes, but I do all my, I do all my mobility work. I do my soft tissue work. I do all, you know, I do all my fascial stuff. So yeah, but the connective tissues associated with the movement that you're doing, they haven't they haven't built up resilience yet. And that yeah. takes time. There's a certain time. So it, even if you want to go full bat, full blast as fast as you can, as quickly as you can, right? Like even if you have the energy to do it, your body might not have the resources. So it just, sure. t- no matter what you do, no matter how you fucking spin it, it's just going to take time. Can you accelerate it? Absolutely. But can the acceleration end up causing issues down the road or issues immediately? Fuck yes. That's yeah. why everything we don't, we, we just slow cook it. There's no reason so, to go, no reason to go balls to the wall. And I mean, look at me. I went balls to the wall for five fucking years with learning and with work. And what I do, I had, I had a fucking breakdown. Yeah. You know? So like that, that just goes to show you, even when it comes to studying, you can't get, you, there's only so much you can actually take. So it's just, sure. it just sure. takes time. There's no yeah, other way I, to do it. And, and, and that, that's just, you know, that's just understanding and also understanding that, you know, when you have this thing that you really feel like you need to then be good enough or something like that, then there's only another thing. And then there's only another thing because the understanding is, is that if things take time, you can still enjoy and be, uh, uh, interacting and providing value as much as you can now. I mean, 
Jesus Christ, dude, we were really young and are still young to be doing some of the things that we're doing, right? Or I yep. talked for myself. Maybe that's the wrong way to think about it, but I think so. I mean, I was really young, working with a lot of people that were older than me. I didn't know, I didn't know bugger all about ice hockey. I had no idea, really. I mean, I looked it up a little bit before I started working, but, you know, that doesn't mean that you still can't produce value, you know? Like, a lot of people... They, they they say, oh, I'm not ready yet. I do this next school and then I'm ready. and Or this next certification and then I'll be good enough and I'll have this to, to be able to do what really what I want to do. But that's also, I don't think that that's the, the right way to look at it. I think it's just understanding, you know, planting a seed and really caring for the seed and knowing that it's going to come with time and then just actually enjoying life and going about it and providing as much value as you can and just knowing that the future is going to be bright because the future is basically a byproduct of what you do right now in this moment. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that's, that's it. You know, focus on where you want to go, doing the behaviors and habits each day and, and that's it. And also, you know, this idea of retirement or taking days off. I mean, I know a lot of guys that are really successful that, uh, that inspire me and they don't, they don't want to stop. They don't want to take days off. Yeah, They want to keep on produce you know uh, adding to the momentum and just keep on developing and and, it, and it's and it's really a, a great way of looking at it you know yeah that's I, I i think of things like that too like what well what are you gonna do for retirement like when are you gonna finally slow down like i don't know if i'm capable of slowing down at this time um and, and even so what is what is slowing down like does that mean now i just sit down and i watch i mean since 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 we've had this this uh quarantine going on i mean i could have had all the time in the world to do absolutely nothing and now we're starting the podcast and i'm doing this and i'm doing that and i'm doing a lot of yeah. things but i mean i'm watching more entourage now than i ever have you know i'm watching tv and i don't know if i could i, I mean i enjoy this but i don't know if i could fucking do this for 20 years of retirement like that's sure sure or, uh, maybe maybe a vacation i guess but like i how much money do you have to do something like that? I don't fucking know. I, I, to, for me, like, there, there needs to be some kind of learning going on at all times. Otherwise, I'll just feel like I'm dying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you're either, it looks like everything in nature is either growing or dying. And I think it's very much the same with us. And, you know, I've met people that are just, they have this childlike quality about them. They're just playing. Even as they get older, they get seem to just, they, they open up even more and they're just curious to be beginners at stuff and learn different mm -hmm. things. And this process of learning, like you learn about one thing, you learn about many things. You know, there's a lot of lessons that, you know, philosophical lessons that come from pursuing any endeavor. And, you know, this idea that, you know, one day I'm going to have enough money so that then I can just go to a beach in Barbados and drink margaritas all day. Well, okay, that's cool. But what after three weeks, yep. three months, you know what I mean? I think the, the, the idea is more finding something that you just actually have really a lot of fun with and you engage with and it's aligned with uh, your natural skills. Everyone's got natural skills and you know why you've got them. You don't quite know could be byproducts of different things. You know, there's I'm sure there's always a, a way to sort of find out, but why not explore it and know that with time it gets better and just enjoy the ride. Cause I mean, dude, you might, it might all go tits up before you, uh, before you get there, you know? Yeah.
And at the end of the day, also, I don't know, maybe getting a bit existential, but none of it really all matters anyway. It's just like fart in the wind. Really, on the grand scheme of everything, like what we what we worrying about too much, you know what I mean? Even with yeah. some of the people we work with, right, okay, what you lost, yeah, who gives a shit, really? It didn't take food off my plate, so I don't care. You care? Everybody around, do they really care? Like, you know, your parents stopped loving you because you lost? Or, you know what I mean? Like, mm. if you really break it down, like a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that we deal with is quite, uh, I don't know, it's quite funny sometimes. <laughs> so, should we, uh, should we wrap this up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Around there, yeah, and that sounds uh, crack good. on with crack on with Easter. Sounds good, and uh, we'll bullshit a bit longer for maybe five or ten minutes. <laughs>